Hi, I'm Carla Wainwright. And I'm Little Leah. And welcome to the Radical Sex Witches podcast, where we explore the themes of sexuality, feminism, consciousness, love, healing, ritual, magic, and all things witchy and wonderful. Hello, all my little honey muffins. And welcome to another episode of the Radical Sex Witches. I'm Little Leah, and with me, as always, is Carla Wainwright, the good witch. Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay, well, let's be real, though. Like, if you'd never seen us and people looked at a picture of us together, like, you'd be definitely dubbed the good witch right off the kick. (laughs) Maybe. Egg on your face. She's the dirty one. (laughs) Oh, how things go astray very quickly in this realm. But I'm very excited about today's episode. We're trying something new that we want to do from time to time on the show. And uh, I'm calling it the Bad Bitches of History. And it's an in-depth feature profile of a remarkable woman whose story we believe that needs to be shared. And our feature today is of Honeysuckle Divine. And she was an American stripper, erotic performance artist, and sexual columnist. She gained infamy infamy she gained infamy <laughs> through the 70s and beyond as a I don't even know how to say this a vagist vagin- vaginist a vaginist man I need to make a business card with that a vaginist which is a performer that uses her vagina to do all kinds of amazing things which we're going to share with you on this episode And I know that Carla wants me to share why I chose her for this, but honestly, I don't want to because like all of the reasons why I think she's amazing, we're going to talk about. Yeah, she is something else. She was ahead of her time. You know, the 70s. I mean, there's still a far cry from what we see today, but like she was light years ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Can't. I mean, once you all hear her story, can you imagine if social media was a thing then? Wow. (laughs) yeah you're gonna understand exactly why if you've listened to this show before you're gonna know why we're talking about her (laughs) yeah so we want to credit uh an incredible article that was written by ashley west of the rialto report uh all about honeysuckle divine and that that really helped us put this episode together and we're going to link the article in the show notes for anyone who wants to really get into all the details of her story Mm mm-hmm So we're going to go and start at the beginning. Honeysuckle Divine was actually born Betty Jane Alsup on January 21st, 1938 in Rock Island, Illinois. And she was the 10th in a family of 14 children. Holy fuck. And although religion was not an important part of her upbringing, she actually became very religious as a teenager, didn't drink, smoke, curse, or gamble. Apparently, she was a model Christian girl, except where sex was concerned, and she was unfortunately got pregnant as a teen and did have to have an an abortion. But she also had an aunt, the black sheep of the family, who started hanging out with and uh, became a really big influence on Betty. And she says this of her aunt, so... Somewhere I have a few pictures of, pictures of her standing on her head and smoking a cigarette in her pussy. She was a real wild lady. I hung around her a lot and she liked me. I loved to watch what she did and my mother was terrified I'd turn out just like her. Yeah. 
Well, safe I think to say her, we know where this is going. Yes. <laughs> and her aunt's name was Aunt Flo, which I thought was kind of Are funny. you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been quite a while since I've read the article. So <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. a long article. <laughs> it's a very long article. It's a good one, though. So um, at 21, uh, Betty left home and became a postulant at the Grey Nuns of the Sacred Heart Convent. So, you know, I didn't know this, but uh, a postulant is the first step in a training to become a nun. So after a period of time, the postulant becomes a novice. And then after several years, the novice becomes a nun. And she later said that she actually loved the nuns and living in the convent, but she couldn't understand the spiritual lessons that they were trying to teach her. So she ran away. She was um, there for the girl sleepover <laughs> and girl community. <laughs> so then she tried to go to nursing school and that didn't work. And so she tried to make ends meet by, by becoming a waitress, but she quickly learned that strippers made a whole lot more money. So she decided to, to try stripping. And so she began performing at burlesque clubs and um, she had her very first arrest shortly after uh, starting to perform. And that was in 1963. And the charge was, quote, wiggling and squirming down the street in an obscene fashion with the skirt five inches above the knee. <laughs> yeah. So oh. apparently, though, it wasn't the length of the skirt that was a problem because uh, girls were already or women were already wearing skirts really short by that point. But what had happened was that a few weeks previously, she turned down an offer from a local police chief to work in his whorehouse. Oh. And so he was just, yeah, trying to take his revenge on her because she said no, because she was making a whole lot more money doing her own thing. And actually, that case was eventually thrown out of court. I was going to say, I wonder if it's because she never wore underwear. Like, if you look in this article in the Rialto Report and Google her online, like, her muff is always out. She's got a skirt and it's either jacked up around her belly button or she's like got her leg up on some sort of <laughs> something. And there's all these men standing around. She's in the middle of the street. That's why I thought she got arrested. But no, wow. there's a picture. That picture is actually was published in the newspaper with the charge. And she's got a mini skirt on and no, there's like no, no, nothing exposed. And it's kind of ridiculous because it it's like fairly wholesome picture. So, yeah, he just had it out for her because he was pissed. Of course, of course. So Betty did decide to move to Washington to follow her then boyfriend. Um, she says she left Illinois armed with only a dress, a douche, and a diary. And when asked why she started writing a diary, she replied that she had a great desire to write. I can release my tensions because most people just don't want to be bothered listening to your problems. Huh. True. Uh, Betty danced and did sex work in Washington and Baltimore during the 1960s. And according to her diary, her clients included a senator, a governor, two ambassadors to the United Nations, two union leaders, a Pulitzer Prize winning author and the president of the United States, Lyndon B. Johnson. And I do believe this. The article does go into it quite a bit. Um, and there's a couple quotes here about that. So after I'd been in Washington a couple of years, I met the president. I'd been screwing one of his aides. And this guy told me about the president. And then I screwed one of his relatives. So the president must have heard about me from these people. And one night, President Johnson came into the striptease club where I was with some other guys. And he bought me a bottle of champagne. He made a date with me. And we went to the Statler Hilton. And then he took me home in a taxi to my apartment. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, honestly, like, I don't know if she's... Uh, 
She probably hasn't been fully into her talents that we're going to get to at this point. No, not at all. <laughs> but um, she was a looker, man. You look at those pictures of her when she was younger and it's just like, holy shit. I mean, I could see why she would be betting all of these, yes. you know, men. Yeah. And she actually even says that she thinks that the, her relationship with, with President Johnson would have continued, uh, except then the Vietnam War was just, yeah kind of took his attention away or something like that it's it's actually remarkable so the whole thing um you know she wrote all of these like she kept these diaries and she just like part of the reason we have so much detail is because she captured all of this Mm -hmm. which is so amazing so by the late 1960s a lot more women were stripping uh you know sexual liberation so a lot more women realized it would be a good way to make money so she actually was starting to have a harder time kind of making ends meet And apparently she was not a very good dancer and she didn't have like a really great stage act. So she was struggling. And um, in 1967, uh, the Los Angeles-based Sherborne Press, they published a small hardcover uh, English language edition of a French book, which was called Le Pet au Man. So uh, pet in French means a fart. And so Le Pet Man was the flatulist French entertainer, and he apparently delighted the kings and queens of Europe in the late 1800s, and he packed them in at the Moulin Rouge. Um, and so based on this, like the book is, it's actually, I actually even found some uh, historical video, like a silent. Um, silent. Of him? Yeah, of him. <laughs> Because I know about him. I didn't know there was, was, okay, I need to see these. Yeah. And if so, he had a whole act that he would do, you know, farting, basically. Um, <laughs> so she read this book. And then she said that based on this, she decided to spice up her own act. So, quote, I was talking about it with a client. And he said, well, if he could do it with his butt, why don't you try to do it with your pussy? I said, okay. And so one guy held up a match in the theater to see if I could blow it out with my pussy. And I couldn't do it the first time. I went home that night and practiced it in my hotel room. And after about an hour or so, I got to where I could blow out matches. Holy shit. I got to ask, Carla, you're you're kind of a master of the vagine. Can you blow anything out with your, your pussy? I can't. Honestly, I've never tried. <laughs> I think you need to try after this episode. But on, I feel like she had a remarkable talent that I actually don't really understand how to do with I my I don't life. either. That's like quip on demand. Yeah, I don't. It's like, wow, how do you do? I don't know. I don't know how you do that. So. <sighs> well, she was convinced that she had a gimmick uh, that could extend her dancing career. And Betty created an act based on that around her, uh, that particular skill. So within months... She created a fully-fledged, how do you say this, fartouse? Yeah. Fartouse act, which she described in this way. I totally picture this, too, every time I've read this. I started by wheeling out my shopping cart full of surprises. The first thing I did was stick a mop handle in my puss and clean the stage floor. Then I pulled the mop handle out of my puss and made it a lo- and made a lot of pussy farts. The audience always got a laugh out of that. I made my puss sound like a duck and I'd say, I fucked a duck and the duck's still in there. (laughs) I lit a candle with a match, then extinguished the flame with my puss. Then I'd blow out the flame from from three candles all at once. And after that, I put three candles in my puss, lit them and stood on my head. I'd count down and blast off. The candles shot out of my puss like a rocket and I called that pussy propulsion. (laughs) 
This woman, I love her. After the candles, I smoked a cigarette in my puss and blew smoke rings in time with Glenn Miller swing music. <laughs> this is an old time trick for the from the smokers stag parties. And I used to be afraid of cancer because of the smoke. Then I'd pour Jergens lotion into my parts, which I then shot 20 feet into the air. The guys within shooting range would scatter in all directions, and I joked that the guys who are close enough to me were in the combat zone. Then I'd put talcum powder in my pussy, which I blow out in big white clouds. <laughs> then I shoot ping pong. Like, she's not done yet. Then I shoot ping pong balls out, and the powder gives me better grip on the ball so I can shoot them 15 to 20 feet. I prepare each ball carefully, and I write honeysuckle loves your balls on them and i wrap them up each in a baggie to keep the autograph dry so whoever catches them can keep them as souvenirs so to say that audience loved the new act would be an understatement it was a huge hit wherever she went and suddenly honeysuckle divine was in demand as a headline act across the strip clubs of the nation she's fucking incredible i i just like it just to me completely i mean she has like the iron pussy i i just it's like wild yeah and can you just picture her just like practicing this at home and she's like and now i'm gonna try this and now i'm gonna try this like that's a laundry list of things that you're doing yeah in a night with your vagina yeah it's pretty crazy i wish i could have been a fly on the wall the first time you read this because i read this months ago and i was like you need to read this and it was a long daunting read but now you know why (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I also saw a picture, it might be in that article, or I, I can't remember, of uh, she's on the stage with her act and the guys in the front row have like umbrellas <laughs> for the Jerkins lotion part. Oh, it's crazy. Okay, so as a result of her newfound fame in 1973, she joined Screw Magazine as a regular contributor, and um, she had a special column called Diary of a Dirty Broad, and it was quite successful right from the beginning. Um, In 1974, Penthouse wrote, great diaries are rare and appear perhaps only once in a century. The 17th century had Papisse, the 18th century had Creevy, the 19th had none at all, but We in the 20th century are unusually fortunate in having Miss Honeysuckle Divine, her devastating diary of a dirty broad, must surely rank as one of the most important social documents of all time. I I need to go see if those exist somewhere, because I would like to read her firsthand accounts, especially if like, you know, Penthouse is quoting them, right? You know, like all of those, you know, there's vintage collections of shit like that around, so... When I Google her in pictures, the only pictures that come up are the ones that link to like the Rialto report and maybe like one or two very rare yeah. other ones. But I haven't gone, you know, like through the Google stories. Yeah. So maybe I got to go do that after. Mm. So um, unfortunately, though, that her increased exposure was great from a fame perspective, but it caused all kinds of legal troubles for Betty. And she was arrested several times for obscenity in Philadelphia, in Boston, in both Syracuse and Albany, New York. And, you know, she believed that her act was a lighthearted performance and not a sexual show. So in her mind, it could not be obscene. So she said, I'm sick and tired of going to court to listen to the prosecution accuse me of public masturbation. My act on stage is a comedy act before an audience which is paid to see it and not even remotely connected to serious sexual stimulation. True. I believe it. Yeah. And then she also felt angry that her case was in the hands of men. She says, 
I have men arresting and prosecuting me, uh, so prosecuting and judging me on a matter which I feel they have very little knowledge. A woman judge should know, uh, sorry, would know our anatomy much better. Men seem to have weird ideas about how women masturbate. Yeah, starting with this mop. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, if you just listened to our last show (laughs) about arousal. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, I mean... Like I said, she's light years ahead of time in the 70s, you know, like, holy shit. But, you know, unfortunately, Betty's funds become completely depleted by fighting these legal battles. And she went back to work as a conventional stripper and sex worker working incognito under a different name. Like she just was too big for her britches or lack of britches at that point. Um, So the problem with that, as much as people f- were fascinated by hu- Honeysuckle Divine, they were indifferent to her when she stopped her Vaginal Variety Act. Uh, it's I don't know if it's no- if you noted it in here, but she actually, <coughs> excuse me, like part of her getup was like this really crazy blonde wig. Yeah. So it was easy for her to like take off her blonde wig and like people, it's not like, you know, like I've got glasses on like Clark Kent and now I'm Superman, right? Like she actually looked different. So they weren't interested um, in this, in, you know, her being somebody else. And apparently she was often asked if she knew any honeysuckle divine techniques when she was up there. Can you imagine that? Like yeah. pretending that like you're not honeysuckle divine? Like, yeah. But in 1976, her biggest case was dismissed on appeal and she set herself up for a comeback. All the old tricks were back, plus a few new ones. She would now make pussy burgers by take a breath. By inserting a pickle and spreading peanut butter on herself, which she invited customers to lick off. And then also added a cunt cert with a horn on which she'd play Yankee Doodle and seasonal jingle bells. I love the concert. The concert, I know. But her contract stipulated shows from noon to 2 a.m. every day. That's nuts. And on an, until 4 a.m. on Fridays and Saturdays for 14 straight days. And she said, towards the end of the second week, I was too pooped to pop. My puss hadn't had too much action for a whole year, and it was too much too fast, and I got to where I could hardly blow out a candle with it. But she was still a star. She went to Detroit in March, where she performed to 500 people. Then she played a standing room only crowds at the Palace Theater in Pittsburgh. And it said, oh my God, this is crazy. In 14 days, there I shot out 1,400 ping pong balls. That's insane crazy and she always had the time for other people and so here's a quote from gallery magazine success has not spoiled our honeysuckle despite the success she has received both here and abroad honeysuckle remains totally unaffected a stripper who works hard to satisfy her many fans and who is always willing to believe the best in people although unconcerned about the quality of her own life Honeysuckle was un- has unlimited compassion for others. And when she sees someone in trouble, she will spend hours giving that person heartfelt advice. The fact that none of it makes any sense is hardly reason to fault her. <laughs> yeah, I think this was one of her endearing qualities is that she always had time for fans. She uh, was, you know, very humble, very real, um, didn't take well, you her would think so seriously. with like... She- 
she didn't see herself as a sex act. She saw herself as a comedy act. Yeah. So those kind of like go together, you know, like that she would be like that in the real world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So throughout the rest of the 70s, she continued to perform and continued to get arrested. Um, she also campaigned for prostitutes' rights or sex worker rights. And she often used her name to bring publicity to rallies, events, and fundraisers. And then she also joined forces with uh, Kelly Everts, who was the self-styled stripper for God. And there's a whole part of the story there, but basically, you know, kind of stripping in the name of God. And uh, Everts was actually a minister and she ordained Betty as a minister in February 1976. That would be quite the uh, ministry to attend um, between the two of them. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, she was still touring in the early 80s at almost 50 years old. And um, a fan, Michael Gross, remember seeing her back in Philadelphia in 1984. And he says that whenever Honeysuckle Divine would perform her shows, the audience went wild. Most of them had never seen this before and they loved it. And she would finish with the ping pong balls and they were all wrapped in plastic. Uh, She had an entire bag full, maybe a hundred or more, all individually signed and wrapped. And that was her show. What a way to make a living. And when she finished on stage, she'd come into the audience and talk with everyone and taking pictures with the fans and people just loved her. And I used to speak with her and she was a very sweet lady. She told me she'd never been married and lived with her many cats. The only sad part for me was that after she finished greeting the fans, she would go back to the stage and spend a long time wiping and cleaning up the lotion and powder from her act. And I was surprised the venue didn't have anyone to help her. But there she was, down on her knees, wiping it all up with a towel, and I felt bad for her. By this stage, I didn't think she had any money or was rich at all, and it was a sad sight. Oh, that makes me so sad for her. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is, this is you know, by the time the 80s roll around, she's getting older. It's a different ball game, too, though, in the 80s, right? Completely, completely. And what was available, and not saying that she was porn, but, like, porn was way more mainstream at this point then. And I just, like, I just find that so tragic that, you know, somebody who is an entertainer and that the venue couldn't even provide support. Someone to fucking clean up. Clean up and yeah, she probably had to clean bad. it up to even get paid for that, I bet. Totally. Like, they probably never forked it over after she just packed a house with her pussy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I know. So by the late 80s, Betty was somewhat forced into retirement as the business of stripping had been transformed by a new generation of performers. And she kind of disappeared amongst rumors of her moving to a convent or dying in various ways. But she at the time when this was written, I know this article is quite old now. She was actually lived in a small town in Illinois where she has been for the past decade. And she's part of a local church community there and relies heavily on assistance from the Salvation Army. Yeah. I wonder so if she's, she's still alive. I know that is quite an, an old article. Yeah, it's it's possible that she would, I think, by when that article was written, she might have been even in her 90s. So oh, geez. it's, it's yeah. possible that she's not still alive. But she basically just sort of removed herself from the public eye into obscurity and lived a very quiet life, but really didn't have any financial abundance or support or anything like that so yeah it's pretty sad sad ending and it made me think you know like there's all of these well it's not just women but sex workers you know who of course end up in retirement for you know once they're just not able to perform or they're deemed to be too old and it's like where's where's the elders home for aged out sex workers or where's the support right yeah you know um 
I mean, that's the end of our story about Betty, Honeysuckle Divine. But like uh, Carla said, this there's so much more to this. Like, it probably took me a good hour to read that article. Um, there's so many more things in there that will make you laugh your ass off. Be amazed. So click it. Go read more about totally. her. She's absolutely fascinating. I'm really glad we picked her as our first bad bitch of so history. Do I. Let me just share one thing <laughs> yesterday uh, when I was... Um, picking up one of my daughters uh, from dance and she's like, Oh, well, how was your day, mom? What'd you do? And I'm like, well, let me tell you, I prepared the show notes on this woman named <laughs> and I proceeded to tell her the whole story. She's kind of like side eyeing me. She's 16. And you I said, and your friendly I, air, weird. I know I said, I bet that there's not a single other mother <laughs> in your high school who had a day like mine. She's like, no, Please I think you're right. Or I said, or the planet actually. <laughs> There's there's some on the planet. I was gonna say at least for Prince George, at the very <laughs> least, you know there there are those of us out there still fighting the good fight. Oh, and that's hope- not what I mean. But that you know, telling yeah, your yeah. daughter, I wrote a wrote a show notes about. Well, you a know, I hope that one of you maybe at home while your kids are at school this week, you go and you go try to you know blow a smoke ring out of your puss or stick some ping pong balls in there, see what you can do. Do it in Honey's name. Totally. <laughs> Yes. Challenge. Challenge. Uh, is the challenge accepted? I don't know, Leah. Make a TikTok really on it. No. <laughs> pull out the ping pong balls. That always makes me think of uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, right? You know, like the wife there. So, yeah. So I think that she has, uh, that honeysuckle has inspired people in many ways that we don't even know about. That's right. That's right. Well, All right. Thank you, honeysuckle. We appreciate your talent here at the Radical Sex Witches. A million percent. And now you all know why I wanted to do her as our first. So we talk a lot about on this show about turn-ons, but next time we're going to talk about turn-offs. You're probably going to have to book about three hours out of your day for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, first of all, his name's Chad. Fucking Chad's. Just kidding. I don't know any chats. Uh, anyways, before we totally tank this fucking episode, I'm little Leah. I'm Carla. We are the Radical Sex Witches, and we will see you next time. Hello, witchy listener. It's Carla here. If you're feeling disconnected from pleasure and unfulfilled in life, reach out to me and let's connect on a free call. I love helping women like you shift to owning your sexual power, reconnecting to your body, and finding your unique radical sex switch within. Go to CarlaWainwright.com or find my contact info in the show notes. Let's co-create a life for you that is truly turned on.